This is Violax number 49, Jesus Calms a Storm, Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 27. God give you his peace, in nomine patri sefiri et spiritu santi, amen. God, our Lord, we ask the grace that all of our intentions, actions, and operations be directed purely to the service and praise of your divine majesty. In nomine patri sefiri et spiritu santi, amen. And when Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. They went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. Okay, we have a really great meditation together today that I think both methods of prayer are going to consider one of their favorite days. Two quick announcements before we start. First, thank you to everyone donating to me. You're putting food on my table and a roof over my head. Secondly, please rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast thing you're using if you're on the audio version. And if you're on YouTube, the video version, please like and subscribe so you get all the updates and other people find out about this. As I said earlier, if you're a new subscriber to VLX, that's my Bible study or Ignatian mental prayer that you're on right now, I would say just jump in right now and don't worry about catching up unless you really like it. You can catch up later. And VLX2 is probably going to help you understand right where you jump in right now. Now, today Jesus calms a great storm. So let's just start by looking at exclusively verse 24 to start with. Matthew 8:24 says, There arose a great storm on the sea. Ever wonder why the apostles in this storm cried out to our Lord, Lord, we are perishing, if they were actually these seasoned fishermen on the Sea of Galilee, a lake that was famous for very rough storms? Well, the Greek today has the answer. It was even more than a rough storm. And I want to give you the outline of how I've been progressing through these slides of the Greek when we study the original language of the New Testament on this VLX series. Now, I won't always have the time to create these video slides like I did for you all today, but the feedback on the comments on YouTube was very much in favor of looking at the Greek words. So I'll certainly make these slides for you when I have the time because I love creating these slides. These slides are especially helpful if you're doing the video series, but if you're just hearing my voice on the audio right now, You'll actually get everything I'm saying. You just won't see how the Greek is written on the screen as the video viewers get to see. Now, what I have been doing and what I'm going to continue doing is usually I'll put the Greek in the Cyrillic alphabet to then write that out, those Greek words, in the Latin alphabet and then the definition. Then I will take that denotation or definition and give you a little bit of my thoughts on the connotation in other languages. English, Latin, the Romance languages I speak. Maybe I'll Google a couple things like I think I had Russian a couple months ago. Sometimes connotation is going to be etymology and sometimes that etymology is tight and sometimes loose, but I'll let you know if I'm making a stretch. Still, sometimes even with a stretch in connotation, as long as it sounds similar between the Greek and the English, 
I tend to think you can be sure something of the same feeling, so to speak, was carried in the original language, Greek and occasionally look at the Hebrew. But as most of you know, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and the New Testament in Greek. Now, practically here, my suggestion is to write in your Bible the Greek word in the Latin alphabet, unless you can read a Greek or Slavic language. Yeah, so when you write in your Bible above the English word, one or two Greek words in the Latin letters, and then maybe put the definition next to it. And maybe some of you will want to write some of the connotation in a notebook or if you have space in the margin. Now, the two main words that we're going to look in in Greek today is seismos megas. And that's there on the screen in the Greek, first in the Cyrillic alphabet and then in the Latin alphabet. I bet a few of you can guess what that means just from your English. Put that on the back burner for a minute. And then the next few words are egeneto ente thalase. Egeneto just means came about. En is the same in English, in. Thalase is sea. So ente thalase is in the sea. Take egeneto out and look what we have left. Seismos megas ente thalase. Seismos megas ente thalase. Put it all together and what we have in the Greek is quite astonishing. Big megas, earthquake seismos, in en. The te si thalase, big earthquake in the sea. So the apostles literally faced a big earthquake in the sea. Kind of implies under the sea, I suppose, with what we know about seismology. Now, practically, real quick, if you're writing in your Bible, I would suggest writing megas above the word great and seismos above storm. Obviously, seismos is where we get seismograph. But anyway, this should explain why the disciples were so afraid. This wasn't an autumn sprinkle of showers. This was described by St. Matthew under inspiration of the Holy Ghost as an earthquake under the sea. No wonder they thought their boat was going to capsize and all of them die. And yet Jesus is just asleep, waking up and says, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? For the enormous storms in all of our lives today, Jesus is not threatened. Just says, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Something great to bring to your meditation today. Now granted, Strong's Dictionary, if you look up the word seismos, says earthquake or storm. So there's obviously something idiomatic about that word seismos that can mean not just earthquake, but also storm. However, if St. Matthew wanted to use another word for storm, just simply storm, he could have used the word St. Mark used for today's same event, where St. Matthew writes, And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea. It is Mark who says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat. The word here for storm in St. Mark's is lilaps. That's in Mark chapter 4, verse 37. Strong's Dictionary defines lilaps as black thunderclouds in furious gusts with floods of rain and throwing everything topsy-turvy. Granted, Mark chapter 4 has other words for big and wind, but we don't have the time to study those today. The point is, whether you look at the Greek in Mark or Matthew, either way, the apostles were facing furious gusts of wind with floods of rain in this boat. These were seasoned fishermen, but this was not your everyday storm they would see. So Jesus didn't just calm a light breeze and a shower of light rains. This was truly the power of God in Christ today, 
that calmed a major storm on the sea. Now let's look at the imaginative way of prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola and St. Teresa of Avila. St. Jerome once wrote, The scriptures are shallow enough for a babe to come and drink without fear of drowning, and deep enough for theologians to swim in without ever reaching the bottom. That quote reminds me, first of all, how good kids are at this way of prayer, because their imaginations are so pure, so try them at 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. But it also reminds me today of the apostles. As St. Matthew writes, There arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? Now, if you've done the method of St. Ignatius and St. Teresa before, you can probably guess you're going to be one of the disciples in the boat today, terrified that you're going to lose your life. If you listen to part one so far, this isn't just a little storm. That Greek-English dictionary I quoted defined it as, quote, black thunder clouds in furious gusts with floods of rain and throwing everything topsy-turvy, end quote. And yet look at Jesus there sleeping. So peaceful, but so manly. Yes, probably water is splashing on him too, but he's not worried. He is man, but he is also God, the creator of the sea itself. But maybe the disciples, even though they know he's a great prophet, they don't know he's God yet. And so St. Ignatius and St. Teresa would have you feel that terror of death as that black sky rains down so hard in your boat that it's starting to fill with water. The storm is so serious you can't see the shore. And perhaps you know about a dozen fishermen yourself who died in storms like this on the Sea of Galilee. St. Ignatius of Loyola, if he were alive today doing this VLX series, would have you hear the wind, taste the sea, Feel the cold of both the wind and the terror of death. Finally, as you're in this boat, in your imagination, and yes, this is so key to deep prayers, using your imagination, someone wakes up Jesus, but the storm, remember, is still raging. It hasn't calmed yet. The blackness around you, the dark clouds, the wind howling, and the rains that you know very well can fill this boat. And on top of it all, the boat is getting so rocked that it might flip even before it capsizes from water. So maybe you yell to another disciple to take control of the boat, but the storm is too loud for him to hear what you said. And yet at this moment, somehow, Jesus hears your terrified yell and just says, with the storm still raging about him, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? And what happens next? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Notice that Christ stands up in this waterlogged boat, rocking left and right, and rebukes the wind and the sea. Now, great calm doesn't just mean the rain stopped. Think of everything named that was going on right now. The blackness of the skies stop. The clouds dissipate. The capsizing boat goes back to horizontal under your feet. That wind that five seconds ago was so loud you couldn't even hear the guy next to you yelling, that wind is gone. And there is total tranquility nearly immediately. Even those who have been following Jesus thus far, remember, they've seen diseases leave men and women. They've even seen demons leave men and women. 
but this is almost too much. As good Jews, they remember the first couple sentences of the Torah, the first few sentences of the book of Genesis. Remember, quote, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, end quote. Who has control over the waters? Who hovers over the waters? Only God, Yahweh. In other words, they know only Almighty God hovers over the waters. And now it appears this rabbi, this prophet that they were following, is not just a great prophet, but God himself. And in awe and excitement and terror, one of them says, What sort of man is this that even wins and see obey him? Did he mean for Jesus to hear? I don't know. Now, this next part might sound a little bit mega churchy to you, but again, this comes from the saints to talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus about your life now. So, I hate to say it, but this is probably what the saints would say, even though this might sound mega churchy. Name that storm in your life. Uh, and maybe you feel it can't be calmed. Speak to our Lord in your time in prayer now or after you place yourself in that boat, in that storm with the disciples, maybe your friends, maybe your family, maybe it's really the disciples you're with. Go back, rewind, listen to the beginning or the middle of this section on the imaginative way of prayer and really try to place yourself. God will reward you if you place yourself in an imaginative way of prayer. And finally, please say an Our Father for the end of abortion because the release date of this video is January 22nd, that anniversary of millions and millions of people who've been slaughtered in this country and across the world with legalized abortion. At benedictio Dei omnipotentis patris fidit spiritus sancti descendit super vos et maniat semper. Amen.